Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Uh, my name is Luke Allison, and I get to serve here as one of the pastors. And uh, I'm really excited to be here with you today, as well as for all of the people that are joining us in our other campuses and uh, actually online at the same time. And then there'll be some people who join us later on listening through the podcast, call them our podrishioners, perhaps. Uh, so those, all those people will be kind of watching and engaging. And so we're really excited to be with all of you, everybody who's currently watching. At this time, I'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive tonight or this morning's offering. And uh, as usual, we're very, very grateful for your generosity as you give to the mission of God. You give to the mission of Hosanna, which is to multiply the hope and heartbeat of Jesus uh, in the lives of all of the people that we encounter. So thank you so much for doing that. Right now, we're in a series called Anchored, and last week, uh, Ryan said that there are four links in the chain that keeps us connected to God. If our life is like a boat, uh, then God is an anchor who holds us fast in the midst of a very stormy world, and we talked about the four links that connect us to God, and we talked about identity last week, and today we're going to talk about love. Going forward, we'll talk about delight, and we'll talk about knowing our place, but before I get started on that, I want to acknowledge uh, that tomorrow is Memorial Day. And it's a unique day where we remember and honor all of those who have fallen because of war, violent conflict in the world. Now, I was in the Army for a little while back in my early 20s, and so one thing I know that uh, maybe others don't is that there's, uh, there's the stuff we put on paper, and we say, like, this is why we do it. This is why we join. This is why we serve. And that's all good. But really, when you really experience the reasons why people serve, it has a lot to do with love. Love for especially the brothers and sisters in uniform to your left and to your right. And so I think we do good to honor that love today as we remember those who have fallen. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to do as the Apostle Paul says, which is to mourn with those who mourn. And we're also called to seek at all costs, everywhere in the world, I continue to pray to seek to be people who are peacemakers, you know, pray for peace in the world as well. So I'd like to just take a moment before I begin the message to pray and remember uh, this weekend. So Father, we remember our loved ones who have lost their lives in the conflicts of this world. Our hearts are heavy because we miss them deeply. There may be even some in the room today, and I'm sure there are some listening as well, uh, who have experienced a loss, somebody in the service. And so we do well to honor them uh, this Memorial Day weekend. We ask that you would comfort those who grieve and give us wisdom to know what it looks like to be peacemakers in the world according to your will and your way and your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and move into this second week of Anchored. And we just sang, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And that's really what this concept of being anchored is all about, is finding the firm foundation. And the text that we've been using is this baptism text uh, of Jesus. And, you know, it's one of those stories that maybe we've heard many times, and we're going to keep kind of drilling down into it. And so what I'd love to do is kind of get a little bit old school with you. Is that okay? Nod your head if it's okay for me to go old school. Okay, cool. Some of you are more into that than others. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're, I'm actually going to read the text. It's going to be up there. And before I do that, I'm going to have you all stand. So if you want to go ahead and stand, those who are able, I love this audience participation stuff, you know? So, uh, we're going to go ahead, I'm going to read this, and some of you may be familiar with this tradition, but I'm going to read this, and after I'm done, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and what do you say? 
yeah, thanks be to God, and then you sit. So I read, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, and sit. Does that make sense? Great. Okay, here we go. It's Matthew three thirteen to 17. It's the story of Jesus' baptism. So it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. That was real enthusiastic. I like that. Maybe you just wanted to sit. Uh. (laughs) So here's the question of the day whenever we talk about something like love, and that is, what is love? And those of you who are fellow 90s kids like me, you know the answer, which is, baby, don't hurt me, right? That's the, only a few of you laughed. And that means that a bunch of you have to go and Google St. Hadaway. St. Hadaway is the one that said that, I believe. Uh, So love is kind of an interesting thing. There's lots of different definitions. I've read a bunch of books trying to sort of talk about what love is. Uh, Here's a thought. So I'm going to throw a picture up there of my wife. Uh, This is my wife, Priscilla, and I. We actually were just married uh, this past September, so we had a chance to go on kind of a late honeymoon just a month ago to Scotland for two weeks. And in the course of going to Scotland, we actually went up to the Orkney Islands, which is sort of these tiny little islands off the north coast accessible only by ferry uh, up in the northern part of that area by like Norway and Iceland and all of that. And one of the things that we did, which I wasn't thrilled about, but we rented a car. And I'm not a huge fan of driving in the best of conditions, uh, but driving in a, you know, a strange land like that. And what they say is the correct side of the road, but it's really the wrong side of the road because it's the right side of the road, if that makes any sense to you. Uh, and you're driving on the right side of the car. Who's driven in the UK before? Anyone? Yeah, it's a little weird, right? So you get started and you're going and the first, say, maybe 45 minutes of driving, you know, it's this white knuckle thing and and she's constantly saying to me, like, look out for that curb. And I'm like, I know. And sweat's just like pouring down, you know. Um, and so we're driving and it's, it's rainy and it's overcast and, and they drive like crazy because it's a tiny little island. So who's going to stop you for speeding? You know, so it's just this, it's this kind of wild place. And so I'm whipping around, but slowly but surely as time goes on, it starts getting a little bit easier, It gets easier and easier to drive because somewhere in the back of my heart and my mind, I know how to do it, right? Driving is driving. And I actually think that love is a lot like that too. Love is love. When you experience it, when you see it, you know, you recognize, you're familiar with it. Which makes sense because uh, it's the thing that Jesus says is the point of all existence, You know, he says, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest thing we can do? Love God and love others. And you can't really separate those two things. No love. It's the thing that Jesus says will distinguish the church from the people around us. You know, uh, maybe you know the song. They will know we are Christians by our... No, bumper stickers is the correct answer. Sorry, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Going a little bit deeper, you could say that love is the essence. We talked about identity last week. Love is the essence of God's identity. It's not just that God, you know, has love sometimes for some people, but that God is love. God is love. And that love that God sort of embodies in himself and then spreads to you and begins to work out in your life and my life and connects to you, you know, this link on the chain, he begins to connect you and you begin to be anchored in him. That love has a purpose. That love's purpose is to mold and to shape and to craft you to be the person you were created to be. That sounds pretty good. 
You know, I think that sounds really good to lots of people. Love is one of those things. You know, last week, Pastor Ryan said that if you, if you know who you are, a child of God, then you'll have a sense of fearlessness. You'll have a sense of being, you know, favored by God, that you'll walk through life not with your head hung low, but raised up. And then love comes along and begins to utterly transform you from the inside out and motivate you to begin facing outward and working outward in other people's lives. And then uh, next week, we'll talk about how God actually delights in you. And as you experience his love, you begin to experience his delight as well. And then you begin to know your place in this world and you begin to move into your purpose and your calling. But without love, it's hard to move forward. You know, right now, if you were to go to Amazon.com and you were to look, uh, look up maybe like finding my purpose or living the, becoming the person I was meant to be or something like that, you'd get like 5 million hits probably. And they'd say lots of different things you're supposed to be doing. It would be usually probably a list of uh, lots of different sort of prescriptions, things that you're supposed to kind of do, these five things and everything will be fine. These types of books will always be popular. Uh, so sort of a list of things to do and not to do. And it's interesting because I read an article uh, and I thought I'd share it with you. And here's one, something that it said. It says, if you can live without caffeine, and I almost threw it across the room right there and stopped, but I kept going. If you can be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him or her, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, if you can honestly say that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against anybody then congratulations, you've almost reached the same level of spiritual development as your dog. <laughs> and it's true, right? Last night I heard someone say, it's true, you know, when I said that. Um, but we're called to more, I think, than just a list of good things to do and not to do and foods to avoid or whatever else, you know. I think we're called to a life that's so saturated by the perfect love of God that people look at us and they say, you know, what is it with that person? It's almost like they come from a different world. And that's really the truth. That's the first thing Jesus says when he, when he steps into his ministries. He says, the kingdom of heaven is here. This other world has crashed into our world and now it's available to all of you. But there's a problem. There's always a problem in church, right? That's kind of, we love to do this to you. Um, we can hear God loves you a million times. You know, God's love, God's love, love others. And we can still have a distorted view because there's something inside of humanity. We call it a fracture sometimes. Maybe some of you will call it sin. You know, we've heard these words before. There's, there's this thing inside of us that tends to distort what we know to be true and what is true. And one of the things that gets distorted over and over again in my experience working with people here at the church is what God's love means, how God's love works. And what happens is rust begins to form on the chain link and before you know it, you're detached. You're disconnected. The anchor's floating. Your boat's drifting out to sea. You know, you know rust, if it builds up, can erode away even the strongest, thickest chain. This is the problem that we all face. There's no exceptions. Now turn to the person to your right or to your left and say, you're very messed up. 
Just getting it out there. <laughs> but say this to them, so don't stop with that. Say this too, but I still love you. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't awkward if you didn't know the person next to you, but you know. <laughs> so what I want to do for the rest of our time is actually walk through the rest of the story immediately following Jesus' baptism. Where we see Jesus, you know, being told, you are my son who I love. And then it says that the Holy Spirit fills him and he actually is driven out into the wilderness, which I've been to the wilderness that he goes into, the southern part of Israel, and it's wilderness. There's nothing there. It's dry and barren. He actually goes out there and in the process, he has his view of God's love tested. Now, historically, we usually in the church have said that the things that Jesus goes through and walks through is sort of a parallel to the life of those who follow him. So the things that Jesus experiences, we can also expect to experience. And what I've seen in working here at the church is that these three areas that Jesus is tempted in are actually the three areas that most people begin to experience that rusting effect in the chain link of love. So what I'm going to do is start with uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, and walk us through these times. So go ahead and uh, if you have your, your Bibles, uh, open up to that. Otherwise, they'll be up on the screen behind me and we can follow along. So here's what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So you see the enemy come, and I've always sort of pictured this, you know, there's lots of dramatic paintings out there of Jesus and this winged figure standing by him, but I've always kind of pictured this as taking place the way we all experience these types of temptations from the enemy, like here, you know, this is my image of it. Jesus sitting there by himself, hungry, tired, thirsty, hot, and in his head, swirling around are these voices attacking him. So the first rust area that the enemy pushes on is the area of provision, provision. In the story, the devil sees that Jesus has a need, you know, he's hungry, he's hungry. And here's the, here's the rust area. If you really are loved, then why are you hungry? You can solve that problem right now. Never mind the long view. And we see Jesus is fasting. God is doing something in him. But never mind that. Think about right now. What are you feeling right this moment? And do that. You know, don't worry about the long view. The big picture. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, you remember this story that was in the news about Henry Gribbum. Uh, here's the news article. It says, Henry Gribbum, 30, lost $2,600, his entire savings, on a game called Tubs of Fun at a Manchester, New Hampshire carnival. He wanted to win an Xbox Connect, which is a retail value of around $100, but quickly lost $300 on the game when the balls he tossed bounced out of the tubs. Instead of cutting his losses, he went home to get the rest of his savings, which he lost as well, in a few rounds of double or nothing. And the news article went on to say, on the plus side, he did win a giant stuffed banana. So, you know, we take what we can get. Take what we can get. So here's the question. The temptation, the thought, if God loves me, why is this thing I've been praying about for so long, a job, you know, the condition of my finances maybe, this relationship, this thing in the world, this big problem, this marriage, this thing I've been praying for healing about for so long, why hasn't it happened yet? Is he going to provide? If he loves me, why am I worried about this? 
And you imagine Jesus, what's going through his head as these thoughts are swirling, you know, why? Why hasn't this happened? I'm hungry. And he's, he's sort of uh, parched and weary. And then out of that haze, he gets this memory floating up, you know, the heavens opening up, the spirit of God descending, that voice, you are my son whom I love. Imagine that. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love. I'm well pleased with you. It's his thought. It should be our thought as well. You are my son whom I love. And so Jesus responds going forward. He says, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, God has said he will do something and I'm not going to, you know, stop and gratify this pleasure, whatever it might be, this thing I'm feeling right now. I have the long view in mind because of what he said. You know, God has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. He's promised that he's bringing about a great miraculous work in your life that's going to utterly transform you and turn you into and mold you into this person. This person that you were created to be. That's what his love is doing right now. And the fact of the matter is that we don't have any idea how that's going to happen because we have no idea what's going to happen the next minute. We don't have the long view. It's hard. But I will say this from some experience is the, the thing, the outcome that right now we might be worrying about. Like this is the thing that has to happen. And if you're like me, it's God, I know you love me. And what that looks like is I get the thing I want. You know, The thing that we're focused on and worried about, and we want to happen right now, the thing we think is the best thing for us could very well be the exact opposite of that. It could be the very thing that keeps us held back in our comfort zone, unwilling to step forward and out into the thing that God's love is calling us into. It could be the very thing that we hold on to and that keeps us living an ordinary life when God is calling us into something extraordinary in his love. That's something I know. I know that God's love always has the big picture in mind. But it's so easy sometimes to look right in front of us and say, this is lacking. You know, so Jesus responds. He says, no. And so the devil starts doing something else. He says he takes him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So here's a second rust area, the issue of protection, the area of protection. You know, the devil quotes Psalm 91 here, which is a little scary to think of, you know. God's going to protect you. Why wouldn't he? And so this kind of translates into, you know, if God loves you, then make him prove it. Make him prove it. This translates into our lives. You know, God's love means that uh, I shouldn't be going through this thing. God's love means that I will never experience pain or loss or trouble of any kind. You know, if I'm going through that, that must mean that he doesn't love me. If God loves me, then fill in the blank. You know, this wouldn't have happened. 
I know from talking to people that some folks have had this experience where they feel so strongly like God is in something, like he's calling you, his voice is speaking to you, leading you into something, and then it all falls apart because it turns out maybe you were wrong, you know, in the first place, or it feels like you were wrong. It reminds me of the story of the guy who goes ice fishing for the very first time, and all of a sudden he hears a voice, there are no fish under the ice. He ignores it and moves to another area, cuts a hole and tosses his line in. And again, he hears the booming voice. There are no fish under the ice. He nervously looks up and asks, God, is that you? No, this is the rink manager. (laughs) (laughs) It can be confusing, you know, disorienting, rusting away at our idea about God's love. And you think about Jesus, he's feeling weak, tired, ready to give up, and maybe somewhere in there he's wondering, yeah, why, why doesn't God do that for me? You know, why am I going through this? And then he remembers those words. You, know, you are my beloved. I love you. I'm pleased with you. And he responds, he says, uh, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. You must not test the Lord your God. And this love thing is not about testing him to see if he really loves you or not. I don't know about you, I sometimes had this attitude towards God's love where I say, uh, if I do the right things, if I you know, check off the boxes, follow the rules, whatever they might be. In my case, it's you know, if I'm preaching and I'm standing up here and doing this thing, which I actually think that for, for me at least, to be up here in front of you, there must be something a little bit wrong with me, but that's another conversation that we'll have. But... Um, To stand up here and to say, you know, I'm doing this thing. Shouldn't all these things be going right in my life? And if I do these things, then it'll be nothing but flowers and sunshine and dancing puppies, you know, in my life going forward. In other words, I test God by doing this stuff, and then it's God's God's job to answer the test by giving me the stuff I need or the stuff I want. Sort of a transaction. And the problem is the only person in history, what we believe, the only person in history who actually did all the stuff right, you know, his name's Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer, in case you're wondering always. If you don't know the answer in church, just say Jesus, you know. Nine times out of ten, you'll be right. The only one who ever did all the stuff right, who checked off all the boxes in the correct way, had a very, very difficult life. And we know he was persecuted and reviled by men, it says, and he wound up dying in a way that was not pleasant, you know, treated terribly. And yet in all of that, can we think of anybody in history more known for their love of God, their deep abiding love of God, and then showing that love to others? There's nobody. Now we could say his connection to God's love grew deeper in spite of the fact that he went through those things. But I think we should say his connection to God drew deeper because he went through those things. Isn't this true? You know, I had the experience of, uh, of going through a divorce a little while ago, and um, I know one thing. I will never have a judgmental attitude towards anybody who goes through that ever again. My heart is now open to the people who go through these difficult times in a way that it never could have been before. Maybe that's true for you as well. That something that you've experienced has opened your heart towards people who experience the same thing. But I want to say before I go on a quick word, because I know 
in this room and watching and just in the world, there's many people who have experienced things, uh, have been victimized in some way, all kinds of different ways, abuse, whatever it might be. And I know that sometimes pastors and church people can say some kind of idiotic things to you when you've gone through stuff like that. You know, I don't know what it's like to go through those types of things. I don't know. I don't understand completely because I haven't gone through them. Uh, But what I have done is I've sat and I've listened to people who have experienced the worst possible examples of abuse and loss and tragedy. And I know that in nearly every case, those people's connection to uh, God in many ways begin to grow deeper as they experienced that pain. And even when they were feeling uh, the worst kind of loss in their heart, there was a sense that God's love was, in some cases, the only anchor holding them to life. And to think of all the people that came into their life as a physical expression of God's love, maybe you've experienced this. And so I'd say to you, if that's you, that you've experienced something like that, my prayer for you today would be that you would begin to even more know his love in a way that goes beyond understanding and that begins that process, that slow, yes, slow, sometimes laborious process of healing and restoration. Here's what I know about every single one of you in the room, though. That God's love, if you are anchored to it, God's love will transform and restore and reshape and repurpose the trials and tribulations you've undergone so that you become now a conduit for his love reaching out into the world around you. That's what it means to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. That's our mission here. Imagine Jesus, uh, weary, tired, and now it says, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. This is the third area of rust. This is the area of power. I think this is what happens when we lose our trust in God's love and we begin to say, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to grab control for myself. You know, I'll forge my own anchor. I think there's a lot of fear at the root of this, you know, fear of losing control. And there's a lot of fear. Ryan talked about fear in our country, you know, fear of this person or that person or this group or that group coming and taking what's mine. Um, it manifests a love, but it's a different kind of love. It's, it's the love of power. It's the love of control. It's the love of, I'd say, always being in the winner's circle and kind of looking down at others who aren't and saying, yeah, you know. Imagine Jesus standing on this mountain. It's kind of this hallucinogenic feel. Like, where do you find a mountain where you can see all the kingdoms of the world? It's like a vision in front of him. There's that thought like, yeah, yeah, that would be the way to do it. You know? All it takes is just grab hold of that. But then he remembers, no, 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 the words, this is my beloved. And how does he respond? He says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Four years ago, about three and a half years ago, right here in this room, I was sitting right about there, 
And I don't even remember the message and I don't remember who was preaching, honestly. But I started to feel something rising up inside of me and I realized I had to go to the prayer chapel and and get some prayer and and get this taken care of because what I realized in that moment, what was hitting me is, you know, I'd been sort of for a couple, about a year, I'd been sort of engaging in a lot of fear-based, you know, listening and speaking about other groups of people in ways uh, that were just not steeped in God's love in any way. And I was feeling angry and I was feeling anxious. I was feeling stressed out. So what is wrong? And so I went to the prayer chapel and as we begin to pray, this thing came up inside of me and I began to realize that one of the ways that I'd manifested sort of shaking off God's love and grabbing control of my own life was I started to develop uh, this, this deep racism, especially towards my African-American brothers and sisters. And I, I sat with this prayer minister and I don't remember who he was either. <laughs> and it was kind of funny. But here's what I heard God say in the deepest part of me. You know, sometimes God speaks that way in ways that you can't understand, but it's there, right? He says, the only way to change this is by opening yourself to my love. That's your start. And I'm thinking, well, I know you love me. I think I know you love me. And here's what I remember feeling very distinctly as God sort of worked in me in this way, saying like, it's incompatible, (laughs) You might know I love you, but you're not steeped in my love. You're not wrapped up in my love. You're not filled with my love. You're not anchored in my love because if you were, this would be just unthinkable for you. And that began a journey for me. And I'm still on it, really, frankly. Um, I don't like standing up here and saying that to you. <laughs> you know, it's sort of, again, there's something wrong with us that do this. Um, begin a journey of facing down the things inside of me that look more like the devil and, and I begin to see the world through the love of God. But here's what I promise you, no matter what it is that maybe you've kind of grabbed hold of, no matter what it is that's happening inside of you as you do that, God's love, I know for a fact, God's love will change you if you open yourself to it. If we put ourselves in a position, a proximity with God's love, a place to receive it, it will utterly transform us from the inside out. But not everybody likes that thought, you know, to be changed in that way, to give up some things, to give up some views. But here's what I know is that God loves us far too much to let us stay in the rusting place. He wants to corrode and, or wipe that all away where the corrosion has happened and reconnect us. My thought is, as I say that, maybe there's some of you in here who need to go and go to the prayer chapel afterwards and get something prayed for. It's a really safe place in there. One of my favorite places to go. I've experienced a lot of transformation in there. So maybe that's something to do for one or two of you. Jesus remembered that he was loved Jesus remembered, and if Jesus can remember, then we can too. Now, maybe as I share these things, and sometimes, you know, in church, like, we share this stuff, and it's kind of heavy, you know? It's just like, oh, man, I was expecting a bright, sunny Sunday morning message, and now he's telling me all this stuff, you know? Um, If you're weary, and you're feeling hopeless, if you feel like, ah, more stuff to do, there's a truth that you have to know, which is that God's love is absolutely, unconditionally free to you. It requires nothing of you. It's an absolute gift given to you. 
There's nothing that we have to do. There's nothing that we have to achieve to earn it. There's no list that we have to check off. It's absolutely free. And when we begin to experience that, we have the same sort of memories that Jesus had when those rusting areas come into our lives. We say, I remember. I remember. And so in a minute, I want to share with you a video of someone that you know very well showing you exactly what this looks like when this free gift comes. And so if you want to direct your attentions to the screens, here's a story of God's love for you. I'm John Russell, and my wife Amy and our son Drew have been part of Hosanna for many, many years. I was orphaned at two due to abandonment, but then I was adopted at the age of five into a beautiful, loving, Jesus-following family. And so I was led to the Lord at quite a young age. So uh, I believed in God, certainly, but he seemed distant, uh, uninvolved. My view of love, I guess, was that love was conditional. It was something that needed to be earned. It was something that could be taken away or even withheld. And that wasn't something that my parents put on me. They were wonderfully loving and accepting parents. That was... That was my own thing. That was my own fear, my own insecurity of being abandoned and rejected again. In August of 2007, I became ordained, and I really wanted to get baptized by immersion. I, I, I came up out of the water, and I, um, I, I heard the Lord say in my spirit, John, you are my child, and I am really, really pleased with you. That day... Um, the old John, full of fear, insecurity, uh, died. And the new John, who is now full of the Holy Spirit and full of love, unconditional love of the Father, uh, was awakened. To, to be anchored in the Father's love for me now means I no longer have to strive. I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to work for love. I get to work from a place of love and I get to be intimate with my father and I can allow him to be intimate with me without any fear of rejection. Amen, yeah. <laughs> I believe that God is always working in our lives to continue this process of connecting us to him. And even in those moments when we feel distant and far away and that rust begins to come in, in just that moment is when God is the closest to us, working a way to restore the strength of that link to his love. You think of Jesus going up into a mountain and seeing all the world spread before him. We know that later in the story, he does go up into a mountain. <laughs> And he does see the world spread before him, but instead of taking power and control, he lays down his life so that we could be free from anything that might hold us back from living that life we were created to live. He laid down his life so we could be anchored forever in his love. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person here and the ways in which you're working right now. And Father, I just get the sense right now that there is um, a few folks, there are a few folks, who have never experienced this, Father. That this hasn't been the reality that uh, these folks have lived in. That love has seemed very far away, that rust has worked on them for a long time to disconnect them from the anchor of your love. 
And so, Father, I pray that you would continue the process right now, that you would awaken in them something, Father, and that they would be able to move into a place uh, of experiencing who you are. So if that's you, uh, there'll be prayer, prayer ministers down in the front here and prayer ministers in the prayer chapel and I encourage you to go and to receive prayer for any of those things that might be coming your way. So Father, we thank you for who you are and for what you're doing, for the love that never stops, that never uh, never gives up on moving, moving, moving deeper and deeper into who we are and who we were becoming and transforming us into something new. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.